0: This is Issues Twenty Twenty. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wendy Glick, Executive Director, Catholic Charities of Wichita. Welcome to Issues Twenty Twenty. Uh, Thank you,
1: Steve. It's uh, a pleasure to be back with you
0: again. We've done this a couple of times. Uh, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about you for just a minute. How long have you been in this job, Wendy?
1: Um, in this particular role as the executive director uh, for about four and a half years, um, I actually first got into the social service business about 22 years ago, though. So I'm, I'm like a bad penny. I just keep showing back up and, and hanging in there. And, uh, and I don't have any plans to retire anytime soon. So hopefully you and I will get to have um a couple more of these conversations over the years
0: well when you're only 39 years old you shouldn't even oh, be thinking about thank that you. <laughs> <laughs> now what did you do before this this position was it was it lord's diner uh-
1: Yeah, I was at the Lord's Diner for a little over nine years, um, first as the volunteer coordinator and then as the executive director. Left there in 2011 um, and came to Catholic Charities, first as director of development and was in charge of fundraising and then moved into my current role uh, in April of 2016.
0: And before that, way back there, someplace you were a business person or business owner, something like that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, my uh, husband and, and family. We own two roller skating rinks, so here in the Wichita area. So, we sold those back in 1995, and um, I did the stay-at-home mom thing for a couple of years, and then in 1998 got got into the uh, the arena of social service, and have loved every minute of it. Um, really came to um, social service work um, to just feel better about myself and be able to give back to our community and to the world, and um, like many who are involved in this field or who volunteer, um, you receive much more than what you give, and, and so it's just, it's a wonderful career, and I would encourage young people that are um, embarking on trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up to consider working in the field of social service, because I mean, um, sometimes the pay is not so great, but, um, but the rewards are grand.
0: I'd like to pry just a little deeper, because I don't where are you okay. from originally?
1: Um, I grew up in the Wichita Derby area, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, um I was born back on the East Coast in Pennsylvania, yeah. but um for the roller skating business, my family moved out here when I was about 4 years old. So, so you, I call I call Wichita home.
0: So you rolled out here then? No.
1: Literally rolled out here and <laughs> oh, and kept rolling for I'm sorry. for a lot of years. I'm yeah, sorry. went away to college in in the state of Missouri and uh, got a degree in communications mm. and uh and was going to pursue some sort of journalism career, and uh, the ties to the family business were just a little bit too strong to break. And so after college, did that for about 15
0: years. I and, think we, and, can, uh, we can probably find you a little part-time position down here if you want to do some Well, work.
1: maybe. <laughs> when I get ready to retire, that would be fun. I would enjoy that. I'm not sure I like the hours you that did. you have to have, yeah, though, yeah. at least your your shift.
0: It's okay. Well, give us an idea, uh, a little bit of the scope of your response or your responsibilities, Wendy. How many how many programs, services under the Catholic Charities umbrella? You don't have to tell me what they are. Just how, you know, an idea. Sure. How big this sure. Is.
1: So uh, we are uh, almost a nine million dollar organization. That's our annual our annual budget. Um, we have thirteen programs. Um, we do everything from uh, addressing hunger and homelessness to domestic violence, providing counseling, working with immigrants um also uh serving adults with disabilities and seniors with alzheimers so a lot of a lot of different um, irons in the fire. Um, Our service delivery area is the 25 counties of the Diocese of Wichita. Um, Most of our programs are here in the Sedgwick County area, but we also have a satellite office in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and we do a lot of work in the 11 counties in southeast Kansas um, addressing homeless prevention. Mm. There are not homeless shelters or not a lot of homeless shelters in, in that part of the state. And so, we've secured quite a few federal dollars in order to um, be the safety net for people before they become homeless um, in helping them with rent and utilities. So, um, a, a, a... Wide variety of services. Um, we are a separately incorporated 501c3 from the Diocese of Wichita. Um, I do uh, have regular meetings with the Bishop and the Vicar General, but I ultimately report to a board of directors, and um, the gifts that people give to Catholic Charities of Wichita stay within the Catholic Charities family to provide the social service services to. The variety of programs that we have, so um, we we don't have money that goes to the church. It stays within um, again our our scope of work within those twenty five counties.
0: And we're gonna we're gonna dig into a couple of those programs here in a minute. Uh, but how how many employees do you actually have, Wendy?
1: Um, we have about 130 part-time or full-time, and uh, an additional 20 part-time or PRNs. Yeah. Um, and um, again, it, it, we go from one program that has one employee to another program that has about 35 uh, employees. So we are an equal opportunity employer. Um, about 80% of those who work for us are not Catholic. Um, so that's. Surprising to people, um, that same statistic is true of the people that we serve. We serve people of all faiths, and about 80% of them um, also reveal or or share with us that they're of a different uh, faith persuasion than the Catholic. Um, Doctrines, so uh, and that's okay. That's not what we're here to judge about. We're here to serve.
0: Any idea how many volunteers that help you out in a year's time? You ever counted them?
1: (laughs) Yeah, oh, absolutely. We have just under a thousand volunteers. Um, We have uh, we have quite a few groups that come into some of our programs on an episodic basis. Um, A lot around holiday giving and and, uh, parties and things like that. Um, Ongoing volunteers, um, we're probably right about half that number for consistent people that come weekly or monthly, so around 500 that are on a regular basis. Um, Because of the populations that we serve, um, the the folks that work with those populations have to be pretty trained and um, educated. And so um, we don't have a lot of volunteer roles. That's one of the things I I miss from my days at the Lord's Diner is they just had thousands and thousands of volunteers. And and it was so much fun to work with those volunteers and feel that joy. And and I certainly feel that with our volunteers here at Catholic Charities as well. We just don't have the volume that... that the Lord Steiner does.
0: You know, the coronavirus has has changed lives and ended lives around the globe, and of course here in Kansas yeah. and with you and a first of all just give me a general statement. What's what's the general impact on Catholic uh, charities from the pandemic? Yeah,
1: it's it's, it's been huge. Um, you know, back in, in early March when we started to hear about COVID-19 and in other parts of the country, um, I brought my executive um, senior leadership team together and we started to brainstorm the different ways that we were gonna um, address the situation, try to mitigate the risk as far as it coming into our programs and affecting our, our staff and clients. Um, I, I was even looking at some old emails that I sent A couple of days ago, and and one was out to everybody and Catholic Charity staff that says if and when the COVID nineteen virus comes to our community, and um, so it it has it's not if and when it's here now. Um, We from the get go were identified as essential service providers, so we never shut down. All of our programs have stayed open. Uh, We've continued to serve. Um, We've had to change our delivery models in in some ways in some of our programs in order to um, stay true to the coronavirus protocols in order to again keep it out of our programs and and keep our staff and our clients healthy um, but um, it it everybody I, I can say I'm so proud of everybody that works for us because again right from the get-go they were dedicated to serve and um, and put their own safety and health on the line to continue to be there for those who come to us in need. So, um, and that continues to today. I would say that uh, it's taking an emotional toll on our staff um, just because of having to align with the protocols. Um, It it has changed um, how we do our work. And uh, in some ways, um, that's really hard for some of the staff to, to manage.
0: You, let's just talk about the uh, impact on specific programs. What about uh, your mm-hmm. daily your daily bread? Food pantry. Yeah. Tell
1: about that. So Our Daily Bread is a food pantry that we operate It's at 2825 South Hillside. Um, we do take information from those who come, like um, the head of household, how many people are in their family, um, you know, just demographic information, but we don't turn anybody away. Um, we limit folks to come just one time a month, and we used to operate in what we call a client choice model. We which is the most respectful of models where the clients could actually come in and shop from our kind of mini grocery store and select the food items that their families um, really enjoyed eating or to take into account food allergies and different things like that. Um, when COVID hit, we had to change that delivery model. Uh, we are now operating as a drive through um, so they still come up and drive up and, and we still collect all that demographic information but once we know what their family size is we have prepackaged um, grocery bags full of vegetables and, and meat items and pastas and breakfast items and things like that um, the number of people we are serving through our daily bread has doubled um, so a, a typical um, month used to be about 1,200 families. Now we're serving about 2,500 families uh, between 7,000 and 8,000 individuals a month. Um, our greatest partner at the food at the food pantry is the Kansas Food Bank. Um, typically, we have gotten food from them uh, about once a week. We would go pick up on Mondays when the pantry's closed and stock our shelves, and distribute on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and do inventory on Friday, and go back again the following Monday to pick up more food. We are now going daily um, to pick up food, and um, it it's just it's just amazing how appreciative people are. Um, but the need is great. And, and one of the questions that we've added to our screening process is, you know, why are you coming? And for many, it's been loss of income, a loss of job due to COVID. Mm. Um, and so we really feel like um, it's an important essential service and, and the increase is due to the virus.
0: You're listening to Issues 2020 on the Intercom radio stations. And our guest is Wendy Glick, Executive Director, Director Catholic Charities of Wichita, Wendy, uh, has the uh, pandemic had a, an impact on your domestic violence hotline?
1: It has, Um, and actually, the number of calls has decreased, um, and and we have a good explanation for that. Um, Back in March, when the pandemic hit, uh, we, again, started looking at our numbers to our crisis call. Typically, we had about 900 calls a month. In April, we had 559, so it, it dropped significantly. We had a little bit of a spike again in May and June, but then since July, we've been back in. That 550 to 600 number to our to our crisis call hotline. Um, we know that with the stay-at-home orders, um, you know, families along with the abuser is, are staying in the home, um, so there's not as many opportunities for the victim to be able to access the hotline or access services. Mm. Um, for those who are coming into shelter, who are making their way, um, we are seeing an, an increase in the severity of the violence that they've experienced um, because the bruises aren't being seen because, you know, they, they can't go out much. Um, more of the abusers are are inflicting um, their pain, I, I guess, in more visible areas of, of the body, and yeah. and we're just seeing more and more severity, more and more psychological trauma. Um, seeing again, the kids are staying home. Um, they did last year when when school was canceled, and so we're are. Our, our Children's counselor is much busier dealing with the children who have seen dad abuse mom um, and um, acting out emotionally and physically um, toward their siblings in the same ways that they observe those relationships happening in their home. So um, it, it's it's really difficult um, for the staff, and and that Harbor House is probably the program um, that although they haven't had to do a lot of big changes to their service delivery, not like our daily bread had to, going from the client choice model to a drive-through model, but by keeping masks on and not being able to hug people and not being able to have that physical contact uh, contact with with the victims and and the children. Um, it, it's it's really affecting um, our ability to provide the caring and the comfort and the hope. And so, what we're actually seeing is folks that come into shelter are having to stay longer um, because they're just they're just not getting that that emotional support because we have to social distance. Right. And a lot of times, um, the emotional growth comes from you know learning what appropriate touch is and, and being able to be comforted in a physical way.
0: And... You know, in that regard, a huge fundraiser you do every year, Cruise Night, and yeah. you had to cancel that this, this year.
1: Yeah, we did. Uh, we typically host about 600 people on a, a Sunday evening. Um, last year, we had our most successful Cruise Night ever. We got it in. It was on February 25th, I believe, the last Sunday in February, um, right before COVID hit. And, and we grossed uh, over $300,000. Uh-huh. Um, extremely Successful and it supports the work of our two shelters. And uh, we made the difficult decision about two weeks ago that we're docking Cruise Night for 2021. <laughs> docking. Uh, we have, <laughs> yeah, just like all the cruise lines, there you know, you uh, around the around the world are are not cruising. Neither will Cruise Night. So um, we're sad about that. Uh, it, it's a fun night. Uh, not only does it raise a lot of money, but it also builds a lot of awareness among the the attendees for the the need of both Harbor House and St. Anthony Family Shelter in our community and what um, victims of domestic violence and homeless families experience on their journey to uh, make their situation better. And um, so we're trying to figure out how we can fill that gap, both financially and educationally, um, to to.
0: Well, have Reach you,
1: out to people have you, to partner with us.
0: Have you canceled other fundraisers? Uh, is this the, the big one?
1: We have a summer fundraiser that's yeah. not on as grand a scale as Cruise Night. Um, it, it used to be called Bags to Riches. It was mainly yeah. focused on women and purses. Um, we did have it as a virtual event this year. Um, we had it in August instead of July because it just took us a little bit longer to get it organized. It actually was very successful and raised more money than what our in-person event did. Um, I'd like to say it was easier to put together, but it really wasn't. It was harder because it was all new to us, this virtual platform. Um, but we didn't feel like a virtual event would do cruise night justice. Um, so much of, of what is great about cruise night is the networking and, and again, that face-to-face contact. And and we didn't want to do cruise night in a virtual format and l- have people leave with a bad taste and, and then not support it in future years. Um, so we plan to bring it back in 2022. Don't anybody steal the concept because <laughs> um, it will return. Um, but we just felt like, you know, we don't know what's going to, our world's going to be like in February, and we think for a while people are just going to be cautious about gathering in large
0: groups. Talk a bit, uh, Wendy. Talk a little bit about uh, demand for your mental health services.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's um, one of the programs that actually grew since COVID started. Um, You know, uh, folks are dealing with depression and and anxiety. Um, They always have, but it's been heightened through COVID. Um, We had been slow to adopt uh, telehealth or teletherapy. Um, And COVID forced us to do it. And um, there are still some who have come to our counseling program, which is called Cana Counseling. Um, We focus on marriage and family relationships, um, as well as anxiety and depression are kind of our areas of expertise. And um, some people chose not to come if they couldn't do it face-to-face, but many chose to go on to the telehealth platform. And we adopted a a telehealth platform that is HIPAA compliant, and we can hook up to anybody's phone and connect them with one of our counselors and and do all of the paperwork in fillable documents, you know, that we can just email out to you. And and actually that program... um, is is busier than ever. Um, it's it's a relatively small program. We have four clinicians, um, but they are keeping a a, a busy um, a busy load of of clients and um, feel really good about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But again, dealing with a lot of of anxiety and depression as yep. it's as it yeah. relates to yep. the challenges of COVID.
0: A lot of that going around. Hey, before the, everything gets away from me, I, I got a couple more questions. How, how many people do you think you help in a year's time, Wendy?
1: Um, this year, our numbers are right at 18,000, um, mm-hmm. which is an increase of about 4,000 uh, over the previous year. Uh, and again, it, it's, it's thanks to COVID. And um, we're just really, really pleased that we've been able to be there for people in our community during this difficult time.
0: What are, what are your funding needs? I think you pretty well expressed them, but uh, how can our listeners help you out? Let me put it that way.
1: Yeah, so we have been very blessed to get um, some federal and state and county dollars through different CARES grants um, that I'm sure you've heard about. But those have been very restricted to addressing covid Um, One of the things that that money has provided is for us to upgrade our technology, because not only are we now using our computers and needing cameras for our meetings, but we're educating kiddos in our shelters, and, you know, um, we're needing Wi-Fi and all of those kinds of things. So Mm. those grants have provided for that, but they haven't provided for our day-to-day operational needs. And we're cooking more meals. We're... Um, You know, just keeping more lights on because there's more people in the shelters. Um, There's more people accessing technology in the way of telehealth. And and all of that has pushed our utility costs up, just our basic operational needs. So we have our annual Christmas fundraiser that we do at at year-end. We send out a lot of direct mail pieces but you can also go on our website, which is CatholicCharitiesWichita.org, and go to the donate page, and our year-end campaign is called the Faithful Servant Fund, okay. and any amount donated to the Faithful Servant Fund is used here within our agency to wherever the greatest
0: need is. Do you need, so, any, do you need any volunteers? you need any people to come down and help you?
1: Yeah, because of COVID, we've not um, we're okay. taking kind of, any new volunteers for right now. Kind of stepping back from um, that for a
0: while. Okay.
1: Yeah, stepping back from that for a while. We have our our volunteers who have been coming for a long time, and they're screened and, and are familiar with our protocols, and, and so we still do have volunteers working in the programs. Um, but we're not taking in any new ones right now. We're going to need Christmas gifts because kiddo gifts, toys, um, because we do have the kids in shelter and we want them to have a happy Christmas. And uh, again, on that website, we have a full wish list on um, on there, if, if ways to donate. And it's called Santa's Workshop. And there's uh, a listing of toys and other items um, that we would love to have people shop for us. Um, we get a lot of Amazon packages. We know people are shopping for us already because they're having it just shipped right directly to us <laughs> so that they can do the contactless Kind of donating, and our UPS guy uh, comes on a daily basis, and right. we're always happy to see him.
0: Oh yes, I'm going to have to interrupt you because uh, that's all we have time for. But I think we've covered okay. covered most of the bases. And and you know the thing is, keep your spirits up down there. It's going to it's tough. It's and I know how it is for you, the kind of work you're doing. But we appreciate what you're doing. And uh, yeah, tell everybody just just keep your chin up because this thing things are going to get better one of these days soon. I hope. And, and Wendy, as always, thanks for being with us and sharing your information. Our guest, Wendy Glick, Executive Director, Catholic Charities of Wichita. That's all for this edition of Issues 2020. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.